1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up Cast, And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's November 25th, 2016. You're listening to the best poker cast, Money Can't Buy. I'm Chris Casenza. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Scott Long. Hey, I like that. That's Thank a- you. I- Thank you. I'm going to use that Can for I that Can I buy one. this show? You can't buy the show do
2: listen to it for free whether you want to or not.
0: That's right. Don't send us money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we passed a pretty uh, amazing milestone this week. Uh, at the beginning of the week, I uh, uploaded the pages to our 100th issue of Up magazine.
2: Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I thought you were going to celebrate as I did that I went an entire night without having to get up to pee. Oh. That's an amazing milestone when you hit 40
0: yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean you didn't pee though. That's oh, that's that's, point, that's the problem though.
2: But no, though, what you're talking about is probably more important.
0: It's much more important. We went to press this week with uh, issue 100, and we weren't sure which hundred. If this was a hundred or next week, next month was a hundred. But then I went back and counted just to make sure, and it was our 100th uh, issue. So we've gotten uh, a lot of milestones along the way, haven't we?
2: Yeah, and uh, it would have been nice had we actually figured this out before we went to press. <laughs> yeah, we
0: started to figure it out a while back, and then.
2: So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this off really coolly. You know, when I when I tell folks, "Hey, this is our hundredth issue," and they're like, "There's nothing in here that says hundredth issue," I'm gonna like, "Hey, we're not about these milestones. It's just another magazine, right?" That's right. Been there, done
0: that. Act like you've been there before.
2: And then the and then when they're gone, I'm like, God, why couldn't we figure this out? <laughs> But no, really, um, uh, honestly, you know, it's funny when we started this thing, um, I had a couple friends, or not, I would say friends, uh, associates, how's that? Okay. Acquaintances, acquaintances, who had just started a magazine, um, found out how difficult it was, and they made two issues and they had a fault, right? Yeah. So um, when we had our first issue came out and we were all celebrating our first issue, they were really kind of like, I don't want to say snotty, but, you know honest that hey come back and see me when you've had three issues. <laughs> right. Because the next two are the really hard ones. Um, and they weren't wrong. You know, early on that was very difficult. Um and you know I did this uh, impromptu podcast interview on the ship last week. I don't know, I remember if we did that before or after the show. Um but one of the things he asked was how difficult it was to start and it was at the beginning, right? Yeah. Um so now they think back now that how difficult those first couple issues were and now we're at a hundred that's
0: pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think of uh, Larry David when he's like, "I gotta write another one of these." After he wrote the first, and it took him forever to write that first, uh, you know, episode of Seinfeld, and then they ended up doing like two hundred episodes or whatever it was. So, yeah, it's hard to believe when you think about. And because when I at my desk when I do my work, stacked on my right are all the issues because I use them for reference and stuff, and the stack is getting high. I mean, it's it's pretty damn high. It, yeah, I had it, to break
2: out a uh, let's see, one, two, three, fourth binder yeah a couple issues ago. so i'm now on maybe that's the next milestone we'll do a milestone when i'm at my fifth <laughs> yeah that's what we'll put on the cover scott's fifth binder issue <laughs> i love a big picture of it with me <laughs> just standing there like george Costanza at the casket <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> but yeah congratulations uh to you you too buddy and us and thank you for all the listeners out there who um went from being podcast listeners to magazine readers as well too because we really appreciate that absolutely and then of course the other thing we didn't know back when we started this thing, that we would have an anti-a poker tour someday. Yep. And that's going on now. And not only is it going on, it's literally going on right now. <laughs> um at Thunder Valley Casino Resort in Sacramento, California. I've heard it's a wonderful place, never been there. Hopefully Yeah, do yeah. Um, it's the anti of NorCal Classic. It's our very first Anti Up Poker Tour event, way back in 2012, I believe it is. Um and now it's continuing on. It started uh, earlier this week. It's gonna run through Sunday. Um and it's going the uh, the two flights the two hundred thousand dollar guaranteed five hundred and fifty five dollar buy in main event will go Friday and Saturday and the winner of that gets his or her photo on the cover of Annie magazine and some other great perks and um, because I'm doing so much traveling I just had to take a couple days off but I am flying out there. On uh, Thanksgiving night, and so I'll be around Friday through the end of the series. So hopefully, we'll see folks out there. Um, and the other interesting thing about this, and I'll, I, since I put, forgot to put it on the show notes, Anti Up Magazine dot com slash Thunder Valley for the schedule and all the other details, including discount room rates, um, is that this is our last Anti Poker Tour event of the year, and we do our player of the year on a calendar basis, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a very tight race at the top. And yesterday, my phone was blowing up because the very first uh, event was going off, and they had way more than 200 entries, so people were going crazy over that, and lots of people were talking about the Player of the Year race, and um, just to remind you, um, the winner of the Player of the Year race is going to give three nights in a deluxe hotel room at Thunder Valley during next year's Up World Championship, and $250 in resort credit. So there's something for that. Um, And people seem to be very excited about playing for that. So um, at this point, with five, I think five, six tournaments out there, uh, anybody's ball game, as some famous announcer that I don't know.
0: It's a real nail-biter.
2: Yeah, isn't it? Very (laughs) exciting. So, yeah, get out there and play. And then uh, $555 for a main event seat. That might be our most um, Uh value buy-in for a main event um, this entire year. So pretty reasonable way to get on cover magazine and a ton of satellites going on too as well
0: yep yep
2: all right so this has been on the show notes for a while we just haven't had a chance to get it on um but a new option called protection poker has been introduced on designated tables at aria las vegas and the way it works is when two players are all in and one of the players is a 65 percent favorite he or she will get 20 percent of the pot if uh, he or she ends up losing the hand and every table has an odds calculator installed, so no one's actually trying to figure that out on their iPhones. Uh, <laughs> so, so it's kind of like a little—it's uh, insurance policy, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, that reminds me of uh, when we used to watch High Stakes Poker on the Game Show Network, and every time Helmy's got it all in, he looked for insurance. Yeah, and guys would be offering him insurance and stuff, and then uh, it's very similar to that. I think I, I. I We've been asked about this a couple of times now by some of our listeners and readers and stuff. And I, when they asked my reaction to it, I said I'm not going to stop anyone from doing anything they want to do with their money. If this is how they want to do it, that's That's fine. You know, a lot of people market economy, right? Absolutely, a lot of people feel um uh, terrible when they lose and they're a favorite. They hate that, and they and it it drives them crazy (laughs) because it's out of their control once it's all in. And and so if they're like, hey. If I play at this table and I get a bad beat because someone couldn't realize by the way I was playing that I had aces and they only had, you know, kings or something in their tens or went all in with me, then, you know, there's a little bit of a, like you said, insurance policy there that I'm not going to feel as terrible if I was playing at a regular table. So, um, and I can't imagine it really slowing the game down, really, because how often, first of all, do people get it all in together, heads up? And then it, that it's such an obvious dog that, you know, by the time that it's in, by the time you actually get all the chips in and get the cards in and say, okay, we're going to deal it out. And by the time you do all that anyway, someone would have gotten the odds calculator that's installed at table to figure out the odds. And then it's not really doing anything. So, I mean, why, why not? Well, do, if yeah, you want to play imagine, there, play there.
2: I imagine it does slow the game down a little bit.
0: Right, but how often? you
2: got to enter the cards and all that. Right, exactly. But here's the thing about that. It doesn't matter, right? Because this isn't at every table in our area. Right. It's really not at every table at any casino, right? Uh, it's designated tables, so when you go to sign in on, on the wait list, you can either get on a protection poker table or you can get on a good old-fashioned missionary poker position table, right? Yeah. And so if this is what you want, then you can play it, and you know what you're getting. You know the game's going to be a little bit slower as the when these actual... Events happen. They have to actually enter the cards or whatever, another other calculators figure it out. But you know that going in, right? Right. You're
0: choosing to do that, so right.
2: And if you don't want to do that, then you're at the other table, and it's not a big deal. So um, it's interesting to me that there's been such a little Twitter war going on with pros about this. Um, you know, I think Mike Sexton is uh, is one of the people promoting it, I believe. Um, and then what was it? I think it was David Williams or somebody that was upset about uh, the fact that it takes. Um, you're really discouraging the recreational players with this because, you know, now they're in for a favorite. Um, uh, You know, so they they, recreational players are the ones that usually have to get lucky to win a pot, right? Right. So here, they're actually um, how this works is it's really frustrating them rather than helping them. Um, And it's going to get them upset. So, but it's all because of where do you want to, if you want to play it or not so it is just another interesting variation that's going to be offered it might take off it might not almost all these never take off you know they're all flash in the pans um... so we'll see what happens with it but um, you know hey if if, if this is something that you like i'm glad that somebody's offering it for you
0: are they flash in the pans or flashes in the pan i, I never knew. If, if I... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh... so here's my thing um, if you enter a turbo tournament, you can't complain the blinds are fast. That's true. That's you can't true. say, why are these blinds going up every 10 minutes? Well, you're in a turbo. Well, I don't want to be. Well, then don't play the turbo. So same thing here. You can't be like, oh, this is bad for poker. No, don't play it then. No one's paying, no one's twisting your arm to put you in the protection poker table.
2: Well, it is. And, and you know, I don't want to get into politics here. But, I mean, this is the other thing. People are, are worried about this before it actually is something to worry about. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, if this does take off and all of a sudden Aria says, hey, this has been so popular that every table is going to have it, whether you want it or not. Now we could be worried, right? Yeah. I really don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, So for right now, let's not worry about it getting to that point. Let's let the folks that want to play it, play it, enjoy it. And if it makes them happy... Um. Here's the thing. I mean, it, it could be something that brings people back into the game. They're like, you know, hey, I really hate when I'm a favorite and I lose a pot. That hurts. Now at least I get something out of it.
0: Yeah. And the description of it, you know, it, it's it's pretty detailed on on what has to happen it has to be pre um before the uh, the turn in river or something like that. Is that what it is? I can't remember now. But it, it's detailed on how all the scenarios that line up. So if that's the scenario that ticks you off the most, I would get into this game. You know, so. Exactly. Um but it's it's i I always applaud Ari they're always doing something like that. They're always trying to find something that will will either change the game or make update the game or or whatever and and whenever somebody does that in our industry, you always have to applaud it because that's hey, we're trying to make the game better for everybody and to make it last longer and 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 this is something that make people happy, why not do it? absolutely hey, we have six wonderful Antioch poker cruises on the schedule now, including a fourteen night transatlantic to Barcelona a weekend warrior cruise, a summer cruise, and many more. Get all the details, including how you can win your way on board at com. All passengers will get a commemorative coin souvenir uniquely designed for each sailing by thepokerdepot.com and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. Also, the Heartland Poker Tour event at Ameristar East Chicago in Indiana is the latest poker venue to join our Restock the Shelves charity Food Bank Initiative with Blue Shark Optics on January 16th. For more information, visit com slash restock. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcasts at com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Four and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. It comes from Ed Rindler. He says, I don't play many tournaments, but in one I had 9-7 on a board of 9-7 King Deuce, two spades, He shoves all in and got called by the queen of spades, six of spades, who rivered the flush. Two hands later on the button, with ace five, I flop trip fives, go all in and lose to another rivered flush and finish in seventh place. I start a cash game, have three six of clubs, uh, see a flop of four seven of clubs with a six of diamonds, gets his money in and loses to a rivered higher flush. Another night in my 18-month slump. I don't feel I'm playing op- optionally. I think he means optimally there um, at this point, and not capitalizing on winning hands because the ones that I am really remembering are these losses. Any advice on how to stop this leak? I actually told my wife I am about to stop playing because I can't catch a break. But I know, uh, since I know earlier I had a flush and got the minimum because I figured someone had a bigger flush. So now he's he's also trigger shy and everything too. Right. Exactly. Right.
2: Um, Ed, uh, go to Aria and play uh, protection poker. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is one of the uh, one of the reasons protection poker is around, right? Because you got somebody like, oh my god, I had it in, and guy two outed me, and now you get twenty percent of the pot. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't think Ed is in, in Vegas, and he's not going to go to Aria. And, um, but I, you know, here's the thing: is that I think he's answering his own questions, doesn't he? I think so. He's like, I'm remembering just the losses, I'm not remembering all the other hands. And I mean I'm not doubting the fact that he's in an eighteen month slump here because obviously that's real. You know, either you have money to go play poker or you don't. Know, and if you don't have money, that must mean you're on a bad streak, right? Which happens. Right. Yeah. Um But this is I think is the biggest problem that I think players have is focusing on the big loss hands or conversely focusing on the big winning hands and think that they are the next World Series Poker Champion, quit their job, go on tour, and then are broken three months <laughs> because they only remember the big hands they won. Right, right. So, um, I would say with anybody on this is, if you've already acknowledged, hey, I think I'm only remembering the the, the bad hands and that, is this is a perfect example of why you need to keep really good records. And take a little notebook with you, or use your phone or whatever and just take good good records, and then imagine if you had been doing that 18 months ago. Now you would have 18 months of really good data to actually look at and to really <laughs> figure out what's going on here. Now, all we know, all we can do is just guess, right? And right. Obviously, it's a confidence issue now, um, which is always a problem. Um, so, you know, I don't want you to quit playing poker. Uh, I think if this is really concerning you, and obviously it is, I think you need to start taking... Better notes and better, and keeping better records. And I think even if you start doing that, I think you're going to start playing better, right? Mm-hmm. I think anytime you actually start thinking about every hand you just played and logging it down, um, you're more focused on the game now. Now, I don't know if that's going to change your confidence or change the other things that are you're having a problem with overnight, but you're certainly more focused on every single hand. Maybe um, I mean, it's like, you know, right now, I'm trying to uh, lose weight. In fact, actually, I didn't tell you this, but I've. Well, we're in a thousand uh, dollar diet bet.
0: believe time. me i've heard
2: all about it <laughs> i've it's kind of a
0: it's kind of a wussy bet too by the way but but okay I'm, i don't want to get into it maybe we'll save that well, for another show exactly, but. but i mean, I don't want to lose a thousand bucks right know? right so you gotta lose that weight
2: so i use an app so i track all my calories now yeah and it doesn't mean that every day i'm going to uh... be under fifteen hundred calories where i need to be some days i'm going to <clears> go to hooters for chicken wings like we did last night um... But the fact that I'm logging it every day, I'm having to think now every time I shove something down my gullet that I'm going to have to log it on there and it's going to be more calories. And it, that's one more step towards me losing a thousand bucks on March 20th. <laughs> so, right, right. And I think it's the same thing with poker. Every time you log that hand down and you look at it, you're like, wait a minute. All right. Now that I logged it and thought about that particular hand, turns out I did make a mistake there that I didn't think I did. I, I thought I got unlucky. Um, and lost, but it turns out I really made a mistake, or there's something else I could have done to make that. Um, and I think that's going to at least start to help this healing process for you. I'm done now. Your
0: turn. Uh, in times like this, I often like to reflect on that seminal movie, The Rounders.
2: Wow, have you ever seen that?
0: And I like to Today? look to Mike McDermott for wisdom when he says few players recall big pots they have won strange as it seems but every player can remember with remarkable accuracy the outstanding tough beats of his career (laughs) now by saying that i am the
2: sad thing about this is you're doing this all from memory
0: yeah it's off top of my head
2: not like you googled imdb and got this
0: no totally off top of my head but ed all i'm saying first is everyone feels it the way you're feeling it right now we all remember losing hands And we hardly ever remember winning big hands. I mean, maybe the biggest pot in my life, I remember what happened on that one because it was so remarkable. Other than that, I remember losses from 2005. Okay, so that's one thing. The other thing is, like Scott said, really, if you look at – now, we don't have all the details on your hands that you're bringing up here. I don't know if you willingly put money into the pot with three six of clubs. I don't know if you raised with nine seven when the board came nine seven King Deuce, you know, or were you in the blinds when those happened and you were forced to play those hands but you didn't play them, you know. So it's hard for us to really say, Hey, you know what, you're you're playing fantastic and this is just bad beats or really when you look at the the hands that you brought up for us, those are not quality hands. So it's not. I'm not saying that you know you could have totally been in the blinds and flopped, fortunately, and, and then got rivered on it. But
2: I should say I edited this down quite a bit. So
0: yeah. I'm so fine. I'm not. I'm not seeing that. But if 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 it was, hey, I'm under the gun with three six of clubs, and I got rivered for a higher flush. Well, you deserve it. If it's, hey, um, I was in the blinds everyone limped to me, and I happened to flop a pair with a straight flush draw and got it in and lost. Well, you still got it in with a six high flush draw. So, you know, those things... I mean, I remember bringing it up now. We went to the Silks, and we had a tournament. It was the first tournament I ever bagged chips in my life. I never bagged chips before, and I had to go back the next day. I never did it before. And on the very first hand of going back, where I was in the money, but I had a... You know, I had, like, uh, eight, nine of clubs, and I was all in, because I had very little chips, but two other guys went all in, too, and I was up against the Ace Jack of Clubs and the King Ten of Clubs, and it came three clubs on the flop. Now... I had the worst of it but what are the odds that there's going to be two other players at two clubs and three clubs are going to come on the flops that six clubs are already out and it hit and I had the worst flush and I'm thinking oh I got unlucky but I got it in with a nine high flush draw you know same thing with that 3 6 of clubs there I don't know what happened but you flopped a middle pair with a six high flush draw and you just happened to be up against another guy who probably limped in with suited aces 3 or ace 5 of clubs or ace 5 of clubs I mean so it depends also how you're playing. I can see that those beats kinda suck because you're getting rivered by flushes when you're having two pair or when you have a flush, you think what are the odds they have a flush? But it happens to all of us. And it happened to two peop happened to me against two people in one hand. So it can happen and just it's just a phase, you know, it's just a thing that just happened to happen all in this one day or in this one week or whatever and I will look at it as just a bump and like Scott said, start to keep records, start looking at those hands and say, geez, did I really have to play that three six or that nine seven? You know, I mean I you maybe did and or the ace five. Even the ace five, you know, you're on the button with ace five. It's like, okay, well, unless you were first in, that's not necessarily a hand I would play on the button unless I'm really aware of how these people around me play, um and understand what they do and that I can take advantage of my position. But if you weren't the first one in with that Ace-Five and you didn't raise and get the blinds out, well, maybe you brought that on yourself. You know, you flopped the trips, but should you even have been in the hand in the first place? That's the other things we can look at it. You probably right. should have been... You could have played this perfectly, and I'm just taking it from this little bit of word that I'm here to have in front of me, but really, just start to look at your play, like Scott said, through the records, and say, geez, you know, maybe I brought that one on myself. And if I didn't do that, then that's a better night for me. Who knows what happens after that if I didn't lose half my stack there or all my stack there. So... Notes are a very when you're in a slump especially, they're a good way a telling way to say, Hey, am I on tilt or am I playing the wrong hands and position you know, whatever it is, and and uh, that's how I'd stop the leak as well. Very good. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us at podcast at, at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a setup from J Design Playing Cards, the official playing cards of Antioch Poker Cruises, available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. It comes from Doug uh, Nadu. He says, I was in a casino tournament and got to the river with two five of spades with a board of queen of spades, seven of hearts, nine of spades, three of diamonds, ten of spades. My opponent checks. I bet he calls and I show my flush. He shows ace, queen, and I win the pot. The player goes into meltdown with my chasing, and he goes into a speech about how I am a donkey, etc. I am not defending if I was right in how I played the hand, but I paid for my seat, so I should be able to play how I see fit. The name-calling lasted about 40 minutes until he busted out. I have two exes who have told me I am always wrong, so I am trained up on taking the negativity. He could have been uh, distracting to me if I did not have my superior training for my exes. He was also distracting to the players around him. We were seated at opposite ends of the table, so everyone heard what he was saying. He kept making comments about the bad beat hand, surprised I was not in certain hands, etc., while uh, players were in hands. Uh, we went through two dealers uh, who said nothing. When do you get the floor involved? Should one of the dealers have, have intervened?
2: Elliot says, you came to the right place. This kind of venting is disruptive, self-indulgent, and abusive. I, along with the folks at Antioch, firmly believe to maintain and expand the game of poker, we all love abusive behavior toward players, dealers, and casino personnel cannot be tolerated. Fortunately, the TDA believes in this concept and specifically expresses it in the TDA rules. Under the Etiquette and Penalties section, the relevant rules are Rule 62, No Disclosure. Players must protect other players in the tournament at all times. Therefore, players, whether in a hand or not, must not, one, disclose contents of live or folded hands, two, advise or criticize play at any time. And Rule 65, Etiquette Violations. Repeat etiquette violations will result in penalties. Examples include, but are not limited to, persistent delay of the game, unnecessarily touching other players' cards or chips, repeatedly acting out of turn, betting betting out of the reach of the dealer, abusive conduct, and excessive chatter. As a player, I would give him a hand, maybe two, to blow off the steam from the beat. After that, uh, you must request a ruling for the tournament director to let him or her deal with this player and issue any warnings or harsher penalties. Dealers in the spot generally don't speak up, as there's very little to be gained, and they do not want to appear to be too willing to rub salt in players' wounds. Dealers are more like traffic directors, and floor persons are the actual traffic cops. Next time this happens, please call for the tournament director.
0: Cool. Everyone should really read the rules and be... It's been a while since I've read them over. and
2: yeah, It's sad to me that these <clears throat> rules exist. Right? This is stuff that our moms taught us, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to say that. Oh.
0: No, no, it, that's what I was going to say. It's just, you know, even though it seems like these are normal human behaviors that we should be following <laughs> in life, that these the rules do exist because there are people who are just can't let things go or, you know... Like some of this other stuff, unnecessarily touching the players' cards or chips. Like, who would do that?
2: <laughs> I'm not a violent person, but you're touching my stuff. And <laughs> you're
0: going to challenge me to become one. <laughs> oh, let me fondle your big stack. <laughs>
2: I mean, what what are you doing
0: touching my chips? I can see, like, maybe you know, you put their small blind in for them because they're biting a sandwich, or you know, and but they they really want you to do that or something. But even then, don't touch their chips no. Get a napkin and then put your small blind in. You know, but yeah, the rules are there. Give them a good look over. I mean, they're 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 a pretty. It's a pretty extensive list of rules too. I mean, it's good to have them, but it's hard to believe some of them we need. You know, we do need them, but it's hard to believe we need them.
2: Right. right. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to those of you out there right now who are on the other side of this, right? Okay. And what I'm gonna tell you is classic poker advice here. Don't tap on the tank. Right? Right. So if someone just makes the absolute most boneheaded play ever and beats you out of a big pot, you want that person in your game. And the more you berate them and tell them they're wrong, the more they might actually think that they were wrong and change their play and become better players. Yeah. And you don't want them to become better players. You want them to continue to make those stupid plays because, on average, you're going to get more of that money. Yep. So, and if nothing else. I mean, the more uh, 40 minutes of just screaming at someone. I mean, again, you know, thankfully this guy's been divorced twice, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, because some other people will be like, "Hey, why am I even playing this game? Why do I want to come here and plunk down 100, 200, 500 bucks just to be screamed at?" I can go do something else.
0: Yeah, you, you don't want to discourage him from playing.
2: Exactly. So this is like there's nothing to be absolutely nothing to be gained by being this kind of jerk so i understand you you played really well someone makes a really bad move and then they just take a bunch of chips maybe even got knocked out of the tournament i get that i've been there right but go outside take a break and just scream outside don't do it at the table and make yourself look like a jerk and drive other players out of the game it just doesn't make any sense to me uh, why people act like this at all, ever. So I'm giving you a reason. Even if you are that kind of player, I'm giving you a reason right now. Wh- several reasons why you don't want to do that Yeah. and why that's bad. Um, the only thing I would disagree with Elliot on is, and, and I trust him, he, maybe he's right here, but I, when I read this first email, and I even, this is when I wrote back to Doug, I'm really surprised that no dealer said anything. Yeah. Now, I'm not expecting the dealers to be mom and dad and scold you at the table. But I, there's a number of times I've been at a table where there's been two people that have gotten into kind of a verbal confrontation where the dealer steps in and says, hey, that's enough. All right. You know, almost like go back to your corners, like, you know, a boxing referee. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, we don't want to hear it. Um, and generally when that happens, the players do shut up or and if they don't, then it's almost like a warning. Right. So the next time one of them says something, then it's immediately the dealer is like the dealer calls for Florida. That's a for a player. And, so, and it explains, hey, you know, I, I told these both to calm down. This gentleman is not calming down. And then that takes care of it. I mean, I, I have absolutely no problem with the dealer doing that. I mean, I don't think that's them interjecting themselves from the game. I don't think that's rubbing salt in players' wounds, as Elliot says. I think that's just reminding folks of the rules. You know, hey, this is a violation of TD rules to be criticizing and play and arguing with people. So just shut it.
0: Yeah, I, I look at a dealer as the person who's controlling the flow of the game. And there's no reason why a dealer couldn't turn to that person and say, do I need to call the floor or are you going to finally let this go? There's nothing wrong with saying that because yeah. there's no reason no reason why a dealer can't call the floor. Dealers call the floor all the time when there's a mistake made. This is the same thing. It's, it's like a mistake being made. You're violating rules that we all know. So I'm going to get the floor over here to shut you up because you can't do it yourself. And then, there are some people who have had a really bad day. You know, and they're down to their, you know, on their luck or something, and they're just looking for one day to be entertained, and they go to a poker room, and then somebody sucks out on them or something, and then they, but there's still no reason for it. If you're not in that frame of mind to know that that's possibility when you're in that room, then you shouldn't be in that room. You know, so I can see where people lose it, but they don't have that rational thought that you, like you were, you were, you were talking to them a minute ago. You were addressing this concern, the other side of it, but at the same time, this is an irrational behavior. That this guy is displaying, so I'm not sure he's going to be able to follow your rational thought that you were offering That's up right. to. But, but, <laughs> have that problem. but yeah, if you, if you are the type of person that loses it, you know, rather easily or or because of something like that, then maybe this isn't the, the game for you, you know? I don't
2: know? Well, and this is also where a, a good floor person has empathy for that. Yeah. As much as they want to scold that person, have empathy for whatever the situation was right. and can diffuse it by showing empathy saying, hey, man, I've been there with you before, I've had a bad beat, I get it, but you can't be acting like this, so just find a way to deal with it. Yeah, just um, chill. Or, hey, I'm sorry, I, you know, if you had a bad day or this is, keeps happening, I get there, I've been there with you. You just got to find a different way of dealing with it. Yep, so. absolutely.
0: Hey, can you smell that? It's a brand new episode of O'Malley's Move, Cooking in the Oven. <laughs> Let's pull out episode one.
1: <laughs>
2: what else since you pulled out that one. <laughs>
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing a $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em Casino Cash Game. The action has been much to what you would expect in a $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em Casino Cash Game. There's three solid players, three ultra-tight players, and three maniacs. The table is nine-handed. The blinds post, the under-the-gun of maniac with about 300 and chips, limps in. Fishy? The plus one folds, MP calls, MP1 folds, hijack and cutoff both call, and we're on the button with the jack of clubs, ten of clubs. We've already lost one buy-in and have recently rebought. We sit with about 200. We call. The small blind calls and the big blind checks. Wow, this might be the first unraised pot of the night. So while two of the three maniacs have folded, we're still seven-handed going to a flop with $14 in the pot. The ace of clubs, seven of diamonds, seven of clubs comes down. It's checked around to the MP, who makes a $10 bet into the flop. The hijack and cutoff both fold. I really don't mind this flop. We've got two clubs, and while the board is paired, we could hit our hand on the turn and maybe punish someone slow playing a seven or an ace. The MP is a pretty solid player. He started the hand with about 250 in chips. I'm willing to bet this guy has an ace, but I'm also willing to draw against him and I know we can get him to lay something down like Ace-Jack or Ace-10 if we come up empty. We're going to call to take control of the hand on the turn. Everyone else folds, except for the maniac under the gun. Hmm, almost forgot about him. There's about $30 in the pot, and the turn is the nine of clubs. Bingo. The under the gun again checks. The MP again leads out, this time for $25. This is the card we were waiting for. We make it $75 to go. The under-the-gun thinks for a short time before shoving his remaining stack in. The MP agonizes over the decision for what seems like an eternity before slamming his cards into the muck. So, it's to us. What's this guy got? Are we beat here? What's the move?
2: Alright, Cyber Hand of the Week, send your hands or situations to podcast at com. And this week comes from a longtime listener, first-time contributor, Malcolm O'Malley. <laughs> Can you smell that? It's, it's
0: an O'Malley's Hand of the Week.
2: Uh, no, here's the thing. It's uh, it's Thanksgiving week, right? And right. we haven't really mentioned any Thanksgiving on the show. But, uh, you know, so I thought, hey, we're giving thanks to the folks that have gotten us this, this far. And Malcolm's been a big part of this. You know, he yeah. stepped up, um, you know, when our one-minute mystery disappeared. And has filled the shoes admirably, I think. So why not have a thank you Thanksgiving show and thank Malcolm for his great contributions by following up his latest uh, O'Malley's move was a hand of the week from him. Yeah, yeah, honoring O'Malley. Alright, uh, he says uh, we had a new guy come to our home game over the weekend and we got into a hand that I thought was worth some discussion. Uh player has been listening to Annie, oh, thank you very much. Hey, cool. Uh, but only started about a week ago. Where have you been? <laughs> You've been around for ten years. Ten years, man. <laughs> uh, he seems to be new to poker, but also seems to be eager to learn and enjoys the game as we all do. Perfect player, right? Yeah. He's a perfect fit with our home game. Good company, nice guy, etc. Excellent. Uh, so Malcolm says, this will be a little different because I'll be telling you the hand of the week from his point of view. So this hand of the week will be told to the perspective of our hero. And let's call him Dave, not his real name. All right. Played against the villain, your very own Malcolm O'Malley, as told by the villain, not the hero. All right, so he's doing the old switcheroo, but instead of like, waiting to the end and going, ah, I got the switcheroo, he's just telling us up front. Hey, this just want to do it, right?
0: But now I have to think, I know how O'Malley plays...
2: Or well, do, see, that's you know. going to make it a more interesting discussion,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. He
2: um, says, I'll try to be as objective and non-biased as I can be. Uh, smiley face emoji. Uh, friendly low-stakes home game, nickel-dime no-limit hold'em. $20 max buy-in, and we had a couple cancellations at the last minute, so we're playing five-handed. We've been playing for about 45 minutes, the blinds post, and the villain... Known as Mr. O'Malley, not his real name, uh, straddles for 20 from the button. 20 cents. Uh, Small blindfolds, and our hero looks down the big blind at Ace of Diamonds, King of Spades, uh, and he has his starting stack of 20 bucks.
0: Well, the first thing I, if I've been playing long enough with these guys, and that night, that session, is as our villain, who is Malcolm, Straddled before, and when he has straddled before, what has he done? Does he raise? Regardless, does he raise every time? If he does, I might want to trap him here and just call, and see if he re-raises, uh, or raises you know his his uh, straddle, and then maybe pop it, um, or uh, you know, just calling with Ace King is pretty sneaky too. Um, I've had a. Uh, our one of our newest writers and longtime friend Brent Philbin, uh was on the ship with us last week and we had an interesting discussion about a hand I had with him and he had ace clean uh, in the hand, and, and it didn't matter what happened on the hand but uh, we had a deeper discussion about different starting hands and, and what kind of hands he would make these plays with that kind of thing and he mentioned there are a lot of times where he just calls with ace king and a lot of people will call with ace king and they won't raise so um, many beginners raise with it because they buy super system and they read it and they see that ace King's is a huge hand that you always raise with or whatever. And so, it's a very dis- well disguised hand when you don't raise with ace king, and you can get a lot of money from people because they would if they see a king on the board and they have king queen, they'd be like, well, if we had ace king, he would raise, so I must have him beat. And so, in this case, I think I would just call with ace king because I don't know what O'Malley's going to do if it's Oma- you know it's O'Malley. So, um, if he's making it straddle, then generally he's telling us it's five handed and I'm willing to straddle, I'm gonna be aggressive. So if he's an aggressive player, it's a good chance he might just be aggressive if we don't show aggress- aggression toward him. So I like the old limp re raise behind him stuff if if that can happen. If it doesn't, we've got a pretty damn big hand that's well disguised. So I'm just gonna call the tens that well, I'm not am I in the blinds, I guess. I'm gonna make it I'm gonna call whatever the whatever it is, twenty cents. I'm gonna do the same. Alright, cool.
2: And uh, here's why one uh again folks know that I'm not a huge fan of ace king at least not as much as other people are um so there's that um there's the fact that this is we're gonna be out of position with this hand um, in fact actually we're already out of position They are the straddle the car the one bonus of being blind right um we're gonna be out of position um and it's a hand that um I think we're gonna need some help with possibly um so I don't want to take the lead quite yet. Um, it's also a straddled um, hand so generally speaking those folks, O'Malley, um, an exception I hope um, are the types that are probably going to raise their straddle um, um, so we're probably going to get the raise that we want in anyhow and then our hand is disguised um, Another the other thing too is the straddle t- sometimes tends to discourage other people from getting in now we're only playing five handed here so it probably doesn't matter too much um, and um, so there's a possibility that the folks are going to be cautious because O'Malley's got the straddle on as well, too. But even if not, we're not giving up much value to a five-handed game here um, by not raising and thinning the field because the field's already pretty thin. So, um, But, yeah, I think uh, the, the one thing missing from this is what you mentioned is what O'Malley's been doing with his straddles in the past. So if, if we're guaranteed that he's been raising a bunch of them, Five handed game, I hope he is. Um, then that makes it easier to, to make the call if he's just been checking um, the straddle. Then, um, that's a different story,
0: and it gets but, to another, another level, too. Where if O'Malley knows that I know that he always raises his straddle and I'm just limping, then O'Malley might think, Whoa. Why would he limp and waste that money when he knows I'm gonna raise? So if he knows I'm gonna raise, he might have a big hand, so I'm not gonna raise. You know, or there's the whole if he raises, he knows I always raise my straddle, so why is he raising? You know, so there's this whole third, fourth level thinking going on if you if he knows that you're aware of his patterns. So right, right. if you don't know if you don't know what he's gonna do, then generally you want to raise because you don't want crappy cards getting in for the price that they've set. You know you want to at least narrow the field and and get you know take control of the hand, but if you think you're pretty sure that he's gonna raise anyway, then you might want to limp and whatever so there's a lot of ifs going on in here
2: a lot of ifs um all right, so let's see where we are here um let's see we have a stack of twenty um big blind makes the call um the under the gun uh with a stack of twenty one raises to sixty cents, so three x uh three x straddle I should say cut off folds. Uh, O'Malley calls from the button and it's back to us.
0: Well, that's interesting. Um, Well, now that we've got a raise in there, we've got money in there, we still can disguise our hand. I don't know if I want to go that crazy now with Ace-King and re-raise. But maybe. maybe, It depends. It really depends how I feel that night and how I'm feeling about the situation. If I had just limped and then they raised for me, well, now someone else is doing the raising, so I don't really know what to think of that. So I think I'm just going to call if if it was O'Malley, you know, I might come over the top. But O'Malley called because he's probably getting the right odds, and he's probably got a decent hand. Um, So I think I'm just going to call. I I, I I Raising again here might take the hand down, but it might also force all of our money in the middle with Ace-King, and I don't know if I want to do that. Um, So I think I'm just going to call.
2: Yeah, this is another situation where if we had known what O'Malley does with his straddles, it would be easier to figure out because if he is – because that might be influencing why the under the guns raising not so much just his hand right right um and if that's the case that our hand might be the best right now um the other the other problem is and I will admit I have this problem whenever we get these micro stakes hands um it's really tough for me to have respect um <clears throat> when I got 20 bucks on the table yeah yeah so I think for that I might want to re-raise here just because hey if I get 20 bucks in the pot I get 20 bucks in the pot He's king because <clears throat> when am I going to get just 20 bucks, be all in for 20 bucks with Ace Gig? Right, right. right. Um, you know, I just lit 20 bucks on fire on Powerball last week and got one free ticket. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so I would have no problem shoving my 20 bucks here. Or, yeah, if, I, if it got to the point where my 20 bucks got in here. so. But that's not the right way to analyze, right? Because we need to be thinking of this as a $5 10 dollars $5, $10 game where right. I'm not going to get 2,000 in here. Right? right,
0: we're talking about making the right moves, not, hey, I'm. Right, um, exactly. I'm frigging a billionaire. It doesn't matter how much I lose.
2: So, I mean, I would think just in this scenario with me and who I am and how I play, I I would raise here just because 20 bucks doesn't mean that much to me. But from a poker perspective, I think I am happy just uh, making the call here and see what happens um, with a hand that is disguised.
0: Yep. Yep. Let's do that.
2: All right. Um, boy. Let me see where we are here. Okay. So O'Malley uh, calls. Yes, we call. And we call. Um. Okay. And the pot is well, one dollar eighty cents. And the flop is the nine of spades, six of spades, deuce of spades. And remember, we have the ace of diamonds, king of spades. Okay. And uh, we are first act.
0: Uh, this is one of those cases where a check raise might why right, really work Because you got a straddler in here. you got someone willing to raise a straddle. You've got the disguised hand of just calling with ace-king. So that you could literally just have flopped a set on them. And you could be saying, I don't care. You know, there's a lot of reasons that you could check-raise. You could bet into somebody if they're really aggressive. And they may come over the top and you're willing to get it all in with the second nut flush drawn two overs. So this might be one of those things where I go for the check raise because these play- people showed that they're willing to raise in a straddle pot. Um, and like you said, it's still only 20 bucks. So to me, I, I might give them a chance to bet and try to protect their hand against a flush and then say, ha-ha, you know, here, I don't care. I'm, I'm going over the top of you, and I'm going to re-raise you. Not get it all in because it's so big, $0.60 cents versus $20. But, um it's one of those hands where I think, and if you if you do check and everyone checks behind, now you've gotten to see the free fourth card to try to make your four card flush for nothing, you know, in dollar eighty pot. Which in real life, if it was a 5-10 game, it's a eighty dollar pot. So, or I mean, hundred eighty dollar pot. So, um, I'm gonna try checking and see what happens because it, it's also a donk bet to just bet into the guy when he's, you know, what I mean, he may be willing to put money in, and you may want to re raise. You know, you've got a pretty big hand here.
2: Yeah, really, um... I don't like this spot, because uh, I'm trying to figure out the right way to play this, so... Um... Initially, I was thinking I wanted to donk-bet this. Um... But that's not gonna... It, and I'm not a monsters under the bed thing here, but I think the Ace of Spades is a real possibility for someone here, right? So if we bet, if we donk-bet this, the Ace of Spades isn't gonna go anywhere, right? It mm-hmm. might even get raised. Um... If we check... Um... Uh, and, plus, and if we dog bet, too, and we miss the spade on the turn, now what do we do? We've got to continue betting again when we have ace high or king. Uh, um, and, and that's going to be difficult, I think. And then if we actually get to the flush and we're up against the ace spade, then it's all for nothing, right? Right. Um. So, I think I need to check here. Um. Now, what I'm not sure about is whether I need to check raise or or check call. Well I like the check raise because now it, it shows that we've could have the Maid Flush and that could put um, the Ace of Spades, if it does exist out there, uh, on notice. Uh, it could also take the hand down, which is great. That's exactly what you want to do when we have Ace High here, right? We don't yep. have the hand yet.
0: right?
2: So I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think there might also be a reason for a check call here, too. Uh,
0: the check call, to me, is like playing with your cards face-up. You, you, you definitely have a Spade because what are you check calling with? You're not. If you're not. If you're not betting against three spades, that means you're not. You have nothing to protect. So if you're not trying to, you know, make someone do what you want them to do here, if you're just check calling, unless you have the absolute nuts already, you know, which is two suited with you know with a uh, spade suited with your ace of spades, you know, then why are you just check calling? So it almost seems to me like. If you had a suited ace pre-flop, you might have raised with it, but since we we're playing the ace king cagely, then all right, then you didn't have so there's a lot of shit going on here. And I think that really the the check raise is needed if you're going to if it's going to get back to you with a bet. If if you just call, it's like it's like playing with your cards. I mean, unless you have what the absolute nuts. What about
2: this? What about what about a check call where we bet the turn no matter what comes?
0: You could do that too. Um
2: I, I don't know whether that's really any different than the check-raise.
0: But to me, what's that story telling you? What, what what does that tell them by betting the turn now? If you were willing to check-call... and well, especially saying,
2: it, maybe it's not any different than a check-raise, because, you know...
0: If, if you check-raise, you're telling them, I could afford to take a card here and not worry about it. But if you check-call, now you look like you're looking for a card. Then the bet out when it's a blank, it's not going to make any sense to these people. They're going to be like, what? It, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you have raised me before if you're trying to protect the hand? So now, if you're not trying to protect it, you're trying to get value for the hand. It it just seems like it's a real confusing well, message confusing, to do right? So yeah. I,
2: there is some advantage to the chaos of that play.
0: Most people, though, when they're confronted with that kind of confusion, call you because they don't they don't believe that's a story to be, that made sense. Um,
2: but again, I don't this know, goes back to why I don't like this spot. Yeah. It's yeah. just, uh, I don't think there's a good way of playing this. I mean, I'm sure our listeners will disagree and let us know, but. Um I think this is just a bad spot all around. Pre flopping is a bad spot now. Um it could all work out for us and hopefully it will. But um I, I think there's real peril in any of our different moves here. Alright, so what you do? Alright. Our hero checks. Um the undergun player bets seventy five cents and O'Malley raises to a dollar seventy five. I'm going to jump in and say, I'm done now. (laughs) Uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm done now. I mean, the end of the gun could be just a good continuation bet, right? Even though it's a dangerous board. Well, Malley's raise could be, um, him thinking the same thing I thought. So now I'm going to raise and let you know, Hey, that continuation bet isn't going to work. I've got something. Um, but we've got two players that want this pot. And right now we have ace high, uh, with the second, not even the second, uh, nut flush draw. I mean, because there's a straight flush draw if possible. Right. Uh, um, with a card to come. So, what? What's our level of confidence that if that spade comes on the turn, that it's good? Uh, it could be like you 50 said, 50, 60, 40, maybe. It
0: could be a C bet, and then it could be O'Malley with a baby flush. He could have something like the seven eight of spades. You know. It could be something like that. It could be jack-ten of spades. That's why he played the hand. Um, so he could be trying to protect that against one spade. Um, could be that he's doing it to make us think that.
2: Maybe the power move is a bigger re-raise now.
0: That's yeah. what I was saying. I was wondering if Maybe the bigger move here is to, is to make it like five. Yeah, I was wondering that myself. Because it, if, if we're thinking about doing the check-raise and he's checked... So it's playing into the check race for us. Cause just calling now is bad because you got another guy that's gonna left you just call and then the other gun says, Aha, I flopped top set, I'm shoving here and then the other guy's got the ace of spades and we're drawing dead, you know. Um so you might be I mean you're not gonna get the ace of spades out, but if the ace of spades is naked with another card, it's not paired, you have them beat right now, and if the spade doesn't get there, you win the pot, you know, if they don't hit their other card. So yeah, I think
2: a big race is gonna make that that ace of spades um a little worried, right? Yeah, I mean,
0: he's going to have to get it all in because he's got enough flush drawn. He's probably not going anywhere. But at least if he has something like ace of spades, jack of hearts, you've got him beat. And the only way he right. now loses if a jack comes or a spade comes, and then the other way around where he doesn't have the spade, but he's got a set. Now you've got outs too. So either way, unless he's already got two spades and one of them's the ace or seven eight, and the wrong spade There's comes. Good way of
2: looking at this that if we can get this heads up, right, so we have outs one way or the other, unless we're up against.
0: The, yeah, unless we're up against the ace. nuts. Right. So um Yeah, maybe we re raise here.
2: Yeah, I think I think this is a raise to five bucks. I think yeah. you're right. I think a call does nothing here. A call does not give us any kind of leverage at all and leaves us nowhere to go. Um we need to get one of these players out of, out of the pot so we have uh good confidence that um that we have a chance here. Um no matter what happens with this hand.
0: Yeah, I think so. And and if, if it turns out that they all get it all in on us and now you might have the right, you know, five bucks in there plus the original 60, so you've got six of your 20 in there already. You know, and if they've got 40 in the pot and you only have to call another 14 to win 40-something, you know, with the second nuts uh, draw to it, you might consider it, and then it's, if it turns the cards over and you're screwed, then you're screwed. But in this case, you might be making it so that you get heads up and you're increasing your odds. You always want to make the better hand fold. Right, when you right, can. and then
2: really the only worst case scenario here is if we all get it in and we're up against an ace of spades and, and set And that's already had his beat, right? Yeah. Set whatever else two pair. Yeah, um, actually, no, I guess two pair. We still have outs, but because um, at that point that we can't root for anything, we're, you know, we're drawing dead no matter what. Right, but. Uh, that's a worst-case scenario, right?
0: Yeah, so. and now, what are the odds of that, too, that both of them are going to call your all-in? And in a 500-game, too. Yeah, and right. a five in a 500-game, and that you check-raise them that. so?
2: Right, right, right. Now, I'm uh, I'm making this five bucks, I think. Okay. All right, the hero calls, um, but the other gun folds. All right, well, didn't see one of those happening, but...
0: Wow. Well, yeah. I guess it's the same scenario. All right, so it was a C-bet that got nervous, and... Right. So that's gone. So now we're up against O'Malley here with the second nut flush going to the turn.
2: Alright, six dollars and five cents in the pot, and the turn is the five of clubs, so our board is nine of spades, six of spades, deuce of spades, five of clubs, and we are first acting.
0: Well, now that we've only called, it's kinda of hard to this is what Scott was saying before, where you were saying, Hey hey, let's maybe we now we bet the turn but see now now it looks so silly now. You've got this ungotten because of the way it happened, the betting happened. and went well, bet it, raise. Right, here's
2: the only case that I can make now is the five of clubs. Now we could have been playing with three four. That's a tough story to sell because it's a gut shot on a board where there's a flop flush.
0: Yeah, and we played that for a raise earlier. You know, right, we right, called that's a raise true. with that. That's right. so, so
2: that's that's difficult, but it does change things.
0: I mean, seven eight. Could you have played seven eight here? Well,
2: that's true. Seven eight is probably more likely than three
0: four. But again, the spades Even are you really the, drawing to. You know, At least
2: that's an open-ender rather than a good shot, right. so that's more likely. Um,
0: but you're losing the spades to the outs, so now you've cut your outs by two. I, I don't think that they're going to believe that story. Betting now, to me, it just doesn't make any sense, and O'Malley would probably shove so now, on us.
2: Now we are now we have to call on that, right?
0: Yeah, so now we're thinking, check <laughs> check call something reasonable. If O'Malley shoves, we fold. But if he just makes it $2 or $3 or something, then you got to think about it.
2: Yeah. Um... All right. Um, our hero checks. Uh-huh. O'Malley bets three dollars.
0: Yeah, we're getting three to three to one on our
2: money. It's probably worth one more call. Well, again, we don't really know where O'Malley is right now with this, right? I right. Mean, he could have just been this aggressive straddler that has nothing and is trying to represent. He could have a baby flush. So if our spade gets there, then we win. He could have. um could have the spades, and the flush gets there. Now we're sunk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know whether we really have a good range of where O'Malley is right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to raise. But I don't think I'm going to fold either. So if you don't know of, what of, he we has. Yeah, we got
2: yeah. The ball here, and then we got. Um, if, if the river is a spade, then we got to decide whether we want to bet out or not. Uh, but either way, we're getting money in on the river. Um, and if we miss the spade, then and we don't hit an ace or king or a spade, then what do we do now? This is tough.
0: I'm definitely calling and then dealing with it after that.
2: <clears throat> All right, well, that's what our hero does. And $12 in the pot, and the river is the tray of spades. So our final board is nine of spades, six of spades, deuce of spades, five of clubs, tray of spades.
0: Okay, so we have the second nuts because, well, I guess four or five of spades now. Yep, so right. third spades. Yeah, so um, you know what's funny is I'm willing to check here.
2: Well, that's what I'm saying is I think the way we've played this, we haven't got any information. We almost have to give up the value here Yeah. and just take down the pot if, if O'Malley checks behind Um, because it's possible that he was doing this whole thing with the Ace of Spades and we bet in and we get it all in and boom, we might as well at this point. I think we get more value by letting him set the price than we do with us making a bet that we hopefully get called by a worse hand. Right. I think there's more value in that. So I think we've got to check, and if it checks behind, great. That's 12 bucks and in a, and a game where we bought in for 20 That's not bad. That's what we call, and we win more money. That's great. And if he bets a little bit and we lose because he has the ace of spades, well, now we learned that we played this hand badly, which I think we did.
0: If he shoves on us, it's going to suck. Because it's going to be one of those bets where he's like, I think you were waiting for that spade. And you thought I was protecting against the spade, so I'm going to shove yeah, on you. And I have no gonna... problem
2: calling that because I think that's almost <laughs> a ridiculous bet.
0: It's, yeah, I'm just saying it's going to suck if that's what the case right. is because he might be doing that
2: to I'm actually the I'm going to encourage O'Malley. I mean, if I'm if I'm the hero of this hand, I'm actually going to encourage O'Malley to shove here. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Good, well played. But because um, that's really that's getting us the value that we should be normally doing by betting here, but we can't bet here because of the way we play this hand. Yeah. I don't think O'Malley would shove here with the Ace of Spades. He could, but if he shoves, that means he's getting his whole stack in, which we, would be more than we would bet right now. Yeah. He's actually giving us value, I think. That he could be doing with Ace of Spades and then costing us our stack. But, but if we go back, beginning of the hand, I was fine losing my 20 bucks. on this. Yeah, we were both
0: fine with losing it. So,
2: so you know, I don't think there's any any danger in that. So I'm going to check and see what kind of... um firepower O'Malley has.
0: Yeah, let's see what the big reveal okay. is.
2: Um, our hero decides to bet $10, leaving four seventy dollars 70 behind. Um, O'Malley begins to think and talk to the opponent, questioning about whether he has the ace or king of spades and claiming he's never playing pocket queen this slow ever again. Alluding <laughs> um, <laughs> to having the queen of spades. After a few minutes of thought, O'Malley announces that he just can't call, so he shoves his remaining stack in, uh, which is about 50 cents more than a hero back to us.
0: Oh, jeez. That whole speech and lying and telling him exactly what hand he has? Come on. This is not good. we got to call because of their money, but you would have gotten the four bucks out of us without the speech anyway, so right, he's right, going right. to have the ace of spades. You watch. <laughs> I'm calling. There's no way I'm folding the second basically the second nuts. Right,
2: right, right. All right. Um, our hero snap calls. The tables his third nut flush. And O'Malley tables table is not the ace of spades. But the five of spades, four of spades. Oh, man. Flop flush and a rivered straight flush.
0: <laughs> oh, that's terrible.
2: All right, Romali says, I think the hero made a couple mistakes on this hand. One, I think he should have raised my strat off from the big blind with a hand like ace-king, five-handed. I think we already explained why that wasn't one of the mistakes, I think. Least. Right. Uh, two, I think he should have let out on the flop. I'm pretty sure I would have come over the top of him, maybe even got the money in then with the same result. Uh, I think we already discussed, well, that shouldn't have happened either, right? right? Finally, uh, did he act too strongly when he made us flush on the river? Can you put me on ace of spades there? The end of the gun raised, uh, with what ended up being ace-queen offsuit with the queen of spades. So he thought it was amusing that I was claiming to have the queen of spades. I called it from the button because I knew after the end of the gun raised, uh, Dave, uh, not his real name, would have had to call the extra 40 cents with an respectable type of holding and I was willing to take a flyer with two of connectors. Uh, all day, took the schooler in stride, and we hope he'll come back to the game.
0: Yeah, see, that that uh, the only thing I disagree with was the bet on the end. We talked about that. Should have checked on the end, probably, because then O'Malley might just make it four bucks, and we're like, all right, let's just be happy with this bot and call, and then say, oh, I lost, but I saved that that 14 that I lost on the end instead. You know, I I, I, I can see the, the the explanation for wanting to raise... With that ace king before the flop and get those guys out, but again, we didn't know how we played the straddle. If we had known that you're just always going to limp or someone else always raised your straddle and then we just called, and you know, it, it depends on how the night's been going. But I think we defended the way we played it up until the end. There, I would never bet ten bucks on the end. I would have just check called whatever he did, and if we did that, he would just bet four bucks, maybe or five, and then you would get away with just in case if he has the ace of spades or just in case he has the five four of spades. You know, you save some money. You got fourteen bucks still on a five ten game. You could play all night on fourteen dollars. So, yeah, I, I I defend the way you, the way we talked about it. Um, I don't really have a problem with the way we played it. Just in the end, there, I wouldn't have made that big bet. Right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you have a safe holiday. I'm Chris Cosenza. And
2: I'm Scott Long.
0: We'll see at the tables.
1: AntiUp is a production of com contact the show at podcast at antietmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antietmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.